Good morning to each of you. It's good to be with you this morning. Thank you, Ben, for those songs, especially that last song, Prince of Peace, Control My Will. What a challenge, and I trust that's our prayer this morning, that our will would be governed by the Spirit of God. I'd like to begin this morning with a story you may have heard before. It's called the story of the Pied Piper. And story, legend, um, not sure exactly what all is true, but the story goes, uh, the year was 1284 in the town of Hamlin, Germany, that this, this town of Hamlin had issues with rats and they're trying to figure out a way to get rid of the rats. So they hired this piper, a man who played the flute, he had a pipe, piper, to rid the town of the rats, which he did somehow by playing his flute, so the story goes. And the town refused to live up to their end of the bargain. They didn't pay him. And uh, this piper was enraged, and he left uh, vowing to come back with vengeance and to get revenge. And it was some time later that he returned on a day, it was a holiday, and, and all the adults were in church, and uh, this piper, the Pied Piper, referring to his clothes, dressed colorfully, and he had his, his pipe along again, and he started playing in the streets, and uh, the children who were not in church were attracted by this flute playing, and they, they followed this piper out of town, and it was supposedly 130 children followed him out of town and they were never seen again. So what's true, what's legend? I think there's a lot of embellishment that happened over the years to that story. It's hard to know what actually happened, but the Pied Piper has become a metaphor for something or someone who uses charisma or false promises to gain a following. That's what that Pied Piper did. Um, gained a following by playing music and uh, even more generally, someone who makes something look really good uh, when in fact it's, it's harmful or dangerous. So where am I going with this? Um, I'd like to think about a topic this morning that I've thought about for a while, but I always thought I didn't know quite enough about it to really uh, talk about it, I can't do it justice. And as I kept thinking about it, I realized that I'm, you know, I'm probably never going to know enough about it. Um, so I may as well just uh, look into it, study it. There's always going to be some, some deeper unknown questions. So I'd like to look at the area of technology this morning. And uh, part of my hesitation was that I, I just didn't know how to frame it. What, what's, what would my point be? Um, is technology bad? Well, no. There's, there's a lot of good things from technology. Maybe moderation or discipline. Um, but as I was thinking about it, I, I zeroed in on something that I believe this story of the Pied Piper brings out. You think about that uh, Pied Piper luring away with beautiful music. And 
It was something that sounded really good, and he gained a following. But all the while, there was something else taking place. And if those children would have known, you know, from the beginning, they would have never followed. And I think that's applicable to this area of technology as well. There's all kinds of glitter and allure to the latest and greatest. Um, there's also a side that's not as readily apparent that's not in the advertisements. And it's easy to miss. And I think sometimes we would make a different decision if we would know everything from the start. That's the approach that I have in mind. So to, to start off, I want to give a definition of technology because I know it's, it's very broad. Technology is basically anything that's developed, that's new, new ways to do things, and it could be new treatments of, of uh, cancer or uh, new products that you can use in your, your trade um, that you could never do before. Now you can with this new technology. Um, that, that there's, a, there's a very broad sense you could think about, but I want to think about the areas that touch each one of us that we interact with on, on a regular basis and thinking primarily of devices and the internet and applications on, on our, our devices, our phones. Um, that's kind of the, what I'm thinking about. When I say technology, that's, that's what I'm uh, referring to, the um, devices that we have. It's more of a, a, a focused look. And I didn't know exactly what passage to go to, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, where Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Um, I will not be brought under the power of any. I think that would be applicable. Um, you know, thinking of, you could apply that to technology. Not all things are helpful. Or Hebrews 12, 1, where we lay aside every weight and sin. You know, the sin, we, obviously we want to get rid of that. But the weights, things that hold us back, is uh, technology in a way holding us back. Uh, being a weight, a distraction. Or, or maybe thinking of discipline. 1 Corinthians 9, I discipline my body, uh, training like an athlete um, to, to, to win the prize. Are we disciplining ourselves to, to make the right decisions? I think each one of these speaks um, differently uh, to technology. We could apply each one of those. But this morning, I'd like to look at Ephesians chapter 5. So turn with me to Ephesians 5, and I want to specifically focus on verse 15. But I would like to read the chapter, uh, beginning of the chapter, up to, to uh, verse 17 to kind of get the context of this here. So Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 1. Paul says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger or unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. 
For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So I think I'll uh, stop there. And again, I want to focus in on verse 15, walking circumspectly. That's kind of the, the overall um, theme of the message. That could be the message title, walking circumspectly. But I wanted to get the context as well. I think it's helpful to, to see what leads up to this. And uh, I like to think of Ephesians as split into basically two sections. So chapters 1 to 3 are the theology part, the doctrine and how things work. This is who you are in Christ, and this is how you are saved, and, and it's the mechanics, the theology. And then chapters four to six get into the practical side. This is how we live it out. And the first part basically says you are Christians. This is your standing with Christ. And the second part says now act like it and live it out. And it's the, the verses we like to go to for, for practical advice. In chapter 5 here, we have this practical advice that he's giving. And it says, be followers of God. And the New King James says, imitators. Like children imitate parents. We want to imitate God. We're his children. And we want to walk in love as, as Christ uh, gave the example of love. There's things that we're to put away. He gives a list of, of different things. Verses 3 to 5, works of darkness. Put those away. Have no fellowship with those. Um, that, that's not who we are. It's, it's not befitting for the saints to do such things. Uh, that's, that's not who we are. We're children of light. Uh, what, what verse is that? Children of light. Verse 8. Walk as children of light. And he talks a little bit about uh, what the light does. You know, there's fruit of the Spirit that's associated with the light. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Proving, verse 10, proving what is acceptable to God. Finding out God's will. What does God want? Seek to know it and, and follow that path, the, the path of light. And again, verse 11, have no fellowship with the works of darkness, but reprove. Uh, since we are children of the light and walking in the light, this light exposes darkness. You know, when you turn the light on, you reveal what's there. And you can see these works of darkness for what they really are. And it's, it's, it's not good. It's something to avoid as saints, as children of light. In verse 14, we see a quote, and I think it's from Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 60, I think. I, I looked it up, but I, I didn't write it down. Awake, thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So we see the source of that light is Jesus. It's Christ. My mind goes to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, where Paul says, God has shined his light into our hearts. 
and it, it reveals the knowledge of Jesus and the glory of God. So Jesus is front and center in, in this path of light, his example and his teachings, and, and that's the standard by which we prove or find out what is acceptable to God. And that brings us to verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So what does it mean to live wisely and, and circumspectly? That word circumspectly basically means careful. You're, you're watching where you're going, looking around, careful observation, walking circumspectly. Not as fools, you know, how does a fool walk? And, and it's obviously it's in contrast with circumspectly. So the opposite of walking carefully is, is carelessly and just maybe charging ahead into something, um, not thinking about the path you're on and uh, not paying attention. We're, we're not to walk as a fool, but wise. Somebody think about this idea, walking circumspectly, walking wisely in the area of technology. <clears throat> and to start, I want to think about a concept called informed consent. And it's something that's used in the medical field and in research. People are researching things and uh, they do experiments. And anybody who wants to conduct an experiment that involves people, you know, if you have people as subjects of your experiment, They've run into this. You've got to have informed consent. And the reason for this in the past, it was not always properly done. And there were experiments, medical experiments that were done very poorly. They did not do informed consent. And the things that they, they did were, were very deceitful. And they, they basically lied to people sometimes. And there's, there's cases you can look up where, where this happened and went to court. And, and obviously, if these people, the, the, the experiments are set up in a way that if these people would have known going in what this involves, they would never participate. And there's, there was issues in the past, and now anytime, currently, when you want to do an experiment, there's, there's a thing of informed consent. Whenever somebody agrees to treatment or to participate in, in research, you have to get informed consent. You have to know what, what the risks are. And that's, that's the requirement for the, whoever is sponsoring the study. They've got to lay this out. And I remember when I was treated for cancer, going into the transplant time, um, they had to do this informed consent. And they, I remember sitting down with a doctor one time, and he just listed out all the drugs that I was going to be getting and all the side effects that, that were associated with it. And he was reading off all these, all these potential side effects. And I just remember him just at the end saying, you know, th th these drugs are safe. We've been using this for many years. He had to reassure me. Um, but he had to do that. He had to let me know what I was getting into. And I think equally important is having this same idea of informed consent when it comes to the decisions that we make regarding technology and what we choose to incorporate into our lives. Because I think so many times people don't know, and maybe we know partially, um, and if you don't know, you can't make good decisions. So how, we, how do we make those decisions? 
what are the factors that we consider? I think a lot of times it's easy to just hear the music from the flute, uh, the, the, the nice sounding music, look at what this will do, look at what you can do, but we miss the fine print. As, it, as, as we say, we don't always check where it's leading us. What, what's gonna happen? As we think about walking circumspectly, we wanna be careful. We wanna take careful consideration what we're allowing into our lives and not to be foolish, not to just run into something and be careless about it, but, but take time to consider. And I think that means being informed. If we wanna make a, a good decision, we should be informed. So thinking a little bit about risks, uh, we live in an age where I believe it's become well known what, what risks are associated with technology, what it does, and, and what can happen, what is happening now, the risks and losses, and, and we've probably seen some of that ourselves. You know, the age that we live in, it's the age of Instagram and, and TikTok and, and internet and constant access. Um, What's it doing to us? It's the world that we live in, so we should know how to navigate it. So I did a search just for dangers of technology. I was curious what would come up. And it's surprising. There are page after page of websites that list out dangers of technology and uh, the impacts that it's having. And you know, I think 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we might have had an excuse for, for not knowing but I think there's plenty of evidence now that shows some genuine cause for concern to say, you know what, maybe I should limit this here or uh, maybe exclude something. I just found it interesting. Um, Steve Jobs, the co-founder of Apple, probably heard his name before, he did not let his children use an iPad. So it was his own product he designed it, but it didn't come into his house. And more recently, the CEO of Snapchat, I'm not sure exactly when this was, but he revealed uh, what he limits his children's screen time to. Uh, it's an hour and a half per week, which comes to maybe 13 minutes a day. And, you know, we might have, you know, I, I think we, we would go along with the limiting screen time pretty heavily as well. But if you think about the average, that is, that is just a fraction of the average you know, for, his, for, for children. You're talking averages in like seven hour range. But what, what did he see? He, he intentionally limits screen time. And another one that I found interesting is the CEO of Netflix said in an interview one time that his greatest competition is sleep. People get tired and fall asleep and then they're not watching movies anymore. And I hope you have a problem with that. Um, so there's, I, I just want to share one, one list that I found online from Business Insider. Nine things, nine subtle ways technology is making humanity worse. Uh, number one, it's posture. Sitting at a computer, slumped over, um, that's, that's an issue. Eyesight, looking at a screen, it affects your eyes. Insomnia, and uh, we know the CEO of Netflix is, is fighting against sleep, but people have trouble sleeping due to the, the blue light and, and different things with that. 
Number four, it's addictive. And you think about social media and uh, we know it's addictive. And I, I think we can probably all identify somewhat with that magnetic pull that just seems to slip in. It, it's addictive, we know it is. And people have, have uh, pointed that out. Uh, number five, sedentary lifestyles, meaning you're not moving a lot. Office jobs and you know, watching movies with children watching movies and playing video games. You know, they're not moving. We're made to move. That's a, a consequence. Number six is mental health. And that's, you could go for a while on that one. What, what's it doing to mental health? And number seven, relationship harm. It's affecting relationships, how we communicate with each other. Number eight, difficulty with face-to-face -face interactions. And yeah, it's, it's with, with uh, texting and emailing and social media conversations. There's not as much face-to-face -face interaction and it's affecting how we have those face-to-face um, -face interactions. That's, that's one thing they, they brought out. And then number nine, less self-sufficient due to instant information. And I just had to think, you know, how many of us can navigate without Google Maps anymore? Um, it's, it's very true. You have the information right there. You don't need to know it. And I will say this is all from a secular viewpoint. Um, this is not a Christian source, Business Insider. You know, they're just, they're just looking at data. It's not even considering the potential spiritual impacts. And my mind goes to the question of discipleship. Uh, and the, the question of discipleship is basically asking, what is shaping my life? Is my life being shaped by the word of God and by the light of Jesus? Like we looked at in Ephesians 5. Are we following that path of light, being children of light? Or um, is, is the world discipling us? What do we spend time listening to and watching? Who are we becoming like? And I think our world, I, I know our world is willing and ready to disciple us. And it has far-reaching influence, reaches right into our homes, through our phones, what is influencing us. But you know, we're children of light. And, and I would say any influence that takes us away from Jesus and away from that path of light is a demonic influence and needs to be dealt with. So I would like to share some practical points. And I, I know there's a lot more that could be said um, these are just things that I, I thought of as, as I was preparing things to help us navigate, to help us walk wisely. That, that's our goal. We want to walk that path of light. We want to be followers of God. Um, how do we navigate? How do we make these decisions? Um, and there could be more. I have six, six different uh, points that I like to, to think about as we look at this question. So number one, ask the right questions. And I think a lot of times the question is asked, what's wrong with that? And sometimes it's sincere, but a lot of times I think it's, you know, maybe asked with some incredulity, like you really think something like this is a problem. 
And sometimes it'd be nice just to have a Bible verse that would say, you shall not do this. You shall not have a smartphone or else, uh, you know, that, that will lead you into um, uh, a, a vice and, and hurtful, many hurtful lusts and, and drowns men in destruction and perdition. But it doesn't say that. Um, and sometimes we just have to wrestle with, with the wisdom of, of what, what, we, what we choose to allow. But I think that's the wrong question to ask. Instead of asking what's wrong with it, um, ask a different question. And uh, I read the book, Surviving the Tech Tsunami. I don't know if any of you have read that before. Um, excellent resource. And I checked this morning, it's in our church library. Um, so if you want to dig into this whole subject more, uh, check out that book. He's, he's very thorough in looking at, at this question of, of technology and how we navigate. But um, the, the one point that I remember, it's been a couple years since I read the book, but the main point that I remember uh, from reading his book is that anytime we're faced with a question about technology and, you know, do I do this or not, limits or, or how, how do we navigate this? He said, you ask the question, what would I lose by doing this? Or what would change? So it's easy to see what we're going to gain. You know, that's, that's, that's in the, the advertisement, that's in the big bold letters. We can easily see that. But what are we going to lose? Every time you gain something, you lose something else. And how often do we take the time to consider what's lost or what might change? And that's part of walking circumspectly. To ask the right questions, to carefully consider how is this going to affect me? Taking into consideration what might change, where it's going to take us. And I had to think, generations ago, I'm not sure how long ago it was that this would have came up, but, but the issue of TV and our people years ago took a stand against TV and they considered what would be lost. They, they looked at, at this TV, what it is, and the, the family time that would be lost and, and time in general. They considered the outside influence just coming right inside the home. And they said, no, we don't want to be involved with that. We want to stay away from that. And I think each one of us today would look at that and say, that was the right decision. We look at what TV is and, and time waster. Yeah, we, we would all agree. And we've maintained that as well to this day for the most part. We don't have TV. But today, the issues have grown so much more complex. Things like the internet, you, know, you think about outside influence coming in, and it's like Gary Miller describes in, in the title, it's, it's a tsunami, it's just this huge wave hitting us. We don't know what to do sometimes, we get lost in it. And I think the difficulty becomes because there are so many legitimate things that we can do, good things with the internet, with our phones, smartphones, uh, there's, there's a lot of good that can be done, but there's this outside influence as well. How do we deal with this? So ask the right questions. And I guess along with that is, is evaluate. As time goes, just evaluate the decisions that we have made, where are we headed? <clears throat> So 
So number two, <clears throat> don't neglect relationships. And this is one that uh, secular sources are, are pointing out. Our relationships are being affected. <clears throat> we as humans are wired for relationships. And it's not social media kind of relationships. That's just a substitute. That's, that's not real relationships. And we're seeing that relationships are being damaged. And yeah, secular sources are pointing this out. And I think we as Christians should be paying attention because it's true. Our relationships are being affected. So do we ask, are, are my relationships being affected in, in any negative way by what I'm doing with technology, with my phone? How often does my phone get in the way of real life relationships? And you know, most times it's people that are right next to us, our family, and it's something that you see so often, people together, all on their phones, devices of some kind. So think about the way we use our devices. Are, are our relationships being affected? So easy to happen. Number three, beware of wasted time. <clears throat> and this is easy to see. Um, it's a danger that we easily recognize, so easy to just fritter away time doing meaningless things, surfing YouTube or social media, and, and, and sometimes it can be you know, legitimate things we're researching, but it's so easy to waste time. Uh, what's important? What do we need to be doing? Are we uh, using the best uh, uh, of our time? Uh, verse 16 in, in Ephesians 5 here says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I think the way the, the words are there, it's making the most of the opportunities that we have. And we can't properly redeem and, and make good use of our time if we're wasting it. And I think that's a, that's a big concern. So easy to waste time. Beware of wasted time. Number four, be wise online. The internet is not a safe place. And I think we would all agree with that. First of all, it is a gateway to all kinds of exactly those things that Paul mentions at the beginning of the chapter. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness. The internet is full of that. And these are things that we're to put away with. No fellowship. So if we're bringing the internet in, are, are we being careful to navigate? If we're not careful, we can easily find ourselves in a snare. And many people have found themselves trapped. You know, pornography today is a vice, and, and it, is, it can be so hard to get out of that vice. And many people have, have found that to be true. So hard to break free from, so beware. The internet is not safe. There are many ways to fall down. A, a quote from G.K. Chesterton that, that I uh, have thought about, there's many ways to fall down, but there's only one way to stand up straight. There's many ways that you can fall into something. But it's still a trap. The consequences are the same. There's no truth filter on the internet. You don't know what's true. And they're you know, trying to put fact checkers in place now and verifying information. But, but there, there's no truth filter. So beware. 
and not to mention the predators that are online. Many predators seeking to scam and blackmail and extort whatever they can. There's many different ways that happens and it's, it's unfortunate the victim stories that you hear and, and some people have even been driven to suicide after making a rash decision. So beware of predators. Predators are online and uh, this is where things like filters and accountability can help us navigate. What do we have set up? How are we making sure we're navigating safely online? Recently, there was an article on, on accountability and filters in the Keystone Messenger by Manolan Martin. Um, I think it was the last edition. So if you want guidance on that, uh, thinking through that whole subject, you can look up that article. Some good thoughts on that. But accountability, very, very good idea. Something that sends a report. All your history sent to somebody else, they can see. And I, I think that's something we should all have set up in the dangerous world of the internet. We want, we want to navigate carefully, we want to walk circumspectly. Number five, be okay with being different. Sometimes a wise decision means not doing something that everybody else is doing. And we like to blend in. It's human nature. Uh, we don't like to be different. We don't like to be the only one not doing something or not having something. Because peer pressure is, is real, it's strong. There's a story that I ran across uh, recently, and it happened just, just this year, back in April. Um, the story of, of a, a school bus headed back from school, dropping children off, and the bus driver happened to have a medical emergency and, and passed out while they were driving the bus. And this seventh grader noticed what was happening, and he ran up to the front of the bus, grabbed the steering wheel, pulled it off to the side, stopped the bus, and he was a hero. He took control of the situation and probably saved some lives. I don't know what would have happened. But there was people interviewing this young man after uh, it all happened. He's a hero. And uh, also interviewing some other people that were on the bus and they were asking these other students, you know, did you see what was happening? Did you know? And nobody else saw it. Uh, because they were all looking at their phones. And this, this one young boy, his parents did not let him have a phone. And the interviewer was talking to him and asking, so do you see the value? This, something good happened here because you didn't have a phone. You were the only one and you saw it and you were able to, to save the bus. And it's amazing, he, he was not convinced. He did not like the fact that he was the only one without a phone, and you could tell it on his face. It was, it was surprising, but it's real. We don't like to be the only one different. And, and even though there's, there's some good things that can come from it, we want to fit in, but sometimes we have to be okay with being different. <clears throat> and number six, the last one, there's room for variation. And I don't think we all have to come out on the same spot. Um, we aren't cookie-cutter Christians. We don't all look exactly the same. Now, there's going to be different perspectives on 
what, what a good line is. And um, I think the, the main thing is we owe it to ourselves to be informed. Um, what, what are the risks? And you can't always know for sure, but carefully consider and evaluate for yourself. And maybe it's, sometimes it's being different than, than other people. We might draw different lines, and we, we can maybe share our insight, how we made our decision. Um, but, but to an extent, I, I believe there's, there's room for variation. Um, but that, uh, you know, if other people have different boundaries, that doesn't mean we have to change our lines. So in the end, I almost feel like I'm leaving more questions than I'm answering, because I don't, I don't have all the answers. It's, it's, a, it's such a broad topic, and so many people have spent a lot of time thinking about it. But I truly believe this is an area that we need wisdom. It is crucial to walk circumspectly in our day and age. Like it says in verse 16, the days are evil. There are traps around. There are consequences to consider. Let's not be caught following the allure of things, these things around us, without paying attention to where we're going. How is this shaping us? What's this doing to me? And I think we can help each other make these decisions as well. And that's the beauty of the church. I believe we can come alongside each other and help wrestle through these, these questions because we, we need to. Um, we, we need to know um, how to walk wisely, to help each other walk in wisdom. But I think the big question, just, just in conclusion, the big question behind all these is how do we truly live as children of light in this technological world? Children of light, that's who we are. And I think if we get that right, if we have that light shining in our hearts, if we're walking the path of light and being discipled by the Word of God, I think that's the foundation that we need. And we can work from there to make wise decisions. So walk in the light and walk carefully. And may God give us the wisdom that we need to navigate carefully today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given. And thank you for this opportunity to look into your word and just to see the guidance that you give to walk circumspectly, to not walk as a fool carelessly, but to be careful in, in navigating our world. And we realize that it's all the more important today to be wise. And I pray that you would give us the wisdom that we need as we evaluate our situation, our scenario, and how we can effectively walk as children of light and uh, to share that with others. Uh, let's pray that you'd give us the wisdom that we need. Guide us as we go about our week. Help us to be a shining light and a blessing to others. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, why don't we stand, and Ben, if you'd have a closing song, and you can consider yourself dismissed.